here Friday night and watched uh, the great documentary on Fred Rogers called Won't You Be My Neighbor, uh, or if you saw it any other time. One of the things that surprised me was just how much fun that guy had. I mean, I know the show, you know, was all kiddie and stuff, but the back, the scenes, behind the scenes, and all the people he worked with, they were joking around all the time and just having fun, right? And I know for me, I love to have some fun and I love some laughter. Anybody want some laughter this morning? Yeah. All right. Let's just kick this thing off with some laughter. It's the best medicine. I'm going to show you a clip of one of my favorite stand-up routines as you think about traveling for the holidays, okay? Enjoy this. You know, I flew here. How come the first-class people, just they can just get on whenever they want? I've always hated that. First-class people, board at your leisure. Take your time, first-class people. Mm. <laughs> Coach people, no, wait, sit, sit, scuzz. Wait, little piggies. So when you do get on, the first class people, they're already sitting there. They're all sprawled out in their big thrones. Bring me the head of a pig. And a goblet of something cool and refreshing. Anyone have a fiddle? Make someone from Coach Fiddle for me. Amuse me. They have fiddles in the overhead racks up there. You're not uh, allowed to even use their bathrooms. The bathrooms up front are for our first-class passengers. The coach bathrooms are located at Newark Airport. <laughs> Concourse C. Concourse C, ladies and gentlemen. So when you do board, the first-class people, they're sitting there. A lot of them are working as you're boarding. They have computers out and calculators. They're looking up at you like, hey, we're making money right now. Right now we're making money. Go, get in the back. Close that curtain. I don't want to see it. Even in my peripheral. Ah, snap it. Snap it shut. What's the matter with us? They got to cover us up with a tarp. I love that guy. We're making money right now. Right now, we're making money. Anybody not want to be making money? 
right? We all want to be making money. There's not a person in this room who wouldn't like a little bit more, more money. And why? Because the more money we have, the more we feel like we're going to be able to live. It's like that's what, there are things that would satisfy us, things that would make us happy, things that would make us fulfilled. And the truth is, every one of us in this room, at your core being, you're making decisions all day long based on what you think is going to make you really live. And so a guy comes to Jesus, and he asked him one time, he said, hey, Jesus, what do I got to do? What do I have to do to actually inherit eternal life? Now, and we know this, right? Eternal life is not just living forever. He basically, what he's saying is, Jesus, what do I got to do to live? What do I got to do to be fulfilled? What do I got to do to be completely satisfied? What do I got to do to be full of joy and life and vigor? And he was a very religious guy. So Jesus said to him, he goes, well, you know the law. What's the law say? So the guy says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly. And then here's what he said. He said, do this, and you will live. Did you hear that? Do this, and you will live. Every one of us in this room is saying, I want to be full of life. And Jesus is saying it right there. Then love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's why we're doing this series. Won't you be my neighbor? Because apparently, according to God, who's the one who made us, who's the only one who actually understands the depth of our being, according to him, he's saying, if you love your neighbor, you will live. Now, As the New Testament goes on, Paul says this in Galatians 5.14. He says the entire law is fulfilled in this one commandment. So so everything else that's in there about the whole law, all of that is fulfilled in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So come on, this morning, if you want to live, and we're here, right? Our mission at K2 is to invite you and to equip you to live out the adventure of following God. And God is making it really clear. Jesus is making it really clear. If you want to live, then follow me, and the way you follow me is you love your neighbor as yourself. But here's what's cool. Not only will you live, but everybody else around you will live. If you're loving each other, then the people around you get blessed. And here's what's crazy. All you need To love somebody, to love your neighbor, is a moment. That's all it takes. It just takes some time. And here's where I'm going to take you today, okay? You can write this at the top of your notes. A moment seized can change a lifetime. One moment seized can actually change a lifetime. And so the same guy, after Jesus told him to do that, he goes, well, then who's my neighbor? And I immediately think of another childhood song from Sesame Street. You guys remember this? Who are the people in your neighborhood? Come on. In your neighborhood, in your neighborhood. Who are the people in your neighborhood? They're the people that you meet walking down the street. They're the people that you meet each day. You guys are good. That was awesome. (laughs) Who are your people in your neighborhood? 
Well, they are literally the people on your street, but they are also your coworkers in your workplace. They're the people that you run into in all your social scenes. Like for us with our kids, when we go to our kids' events like soccer games, all those parents, those guys are our neighbors. Everybody in this room is your neighbor. And here's what we thought of when we do this series. Man, you got to love your neighbor. And you're like, are you kidding me? I mean, I got to reach out to my neighbors and now my coworkers and now the people on the sideline. They go, I don't have time. Anybody else feel that way? <laughs> my life is so busy, I have no time to actually love. And that's why, to be honest with you, the reason I showed the Brian Regan clip, I sat down immediately to start my message, and that clip came to my mind. Because I just imagined, instead of him going, we're making money, I just imagined somebody going, we're making time right now. <laughs> Right now we're making time. Can you imagine that? If you could actually make time, how rich would you be in what really matters? And that's relationships, but you gotta have time. So here's what I wanna tell you, man. If a moment, a moment is seized, you can change a lifetime. So the question for today is, then how do I find time to seize those moments? And this is an important question because apparently your life depends on it. God is not messing around. He's telling you today, you live when you love your neighbor. So if you can't find time to love your neighbor, then you're going to miss out on life. And so is everybody in your sphere of influence. This is a huge question. How do you and I make time to love our neighbors? All right? So let me pray, and then we're going to see how Jesus does it and how he teaches us to do it. Okay? Let's pray. Father, first of all, just thanks for letting us know what life is all about. That you are love. You love us. You came to set us free from ourselves, from this sinful nature that's just bent towards ourselves, to completely forgive us of all of that, and then to set us free so that we could actually see the people around us, so we could actually be filled with your love. And that's life, God. It's to know you and to walk with you, and it's love. But God, I just know there's not a soul in this room, me included, who doesn't struggle to know how to do this with the busyness of our lives. So Jesus, open our eyes today and show us by your life how we can actually make time. And I pray for it in your precious name. Amen. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at chat Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Mark is a guy who wrote one of the accounts of Jesus' life. And we're going to look at chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can do that. And by the way, uh, again, we have this new app that we've shared with you. And if you have the app now, all the notes and all the scripture are right there. And, you can, and again, you can actually take notes right on your phone. So now if I see you on your phone, right, I won't be so disturbed. <laughs> all right. So here we go. And what we're going to do, you guys, today is this, is we're going to look at the life of Jesus. Because all Scripture, the Bible tells us, all Scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for us to teach us and to rebuke us, to correct us, to train us. And so when we look at this, we watch Jesus, who is God in the flesh, and go, how did you love your neighbor? Here's the first thing Jesus did. You make time for what matters. You make time for what matters. And by the way, every one of you in this room is already doing this one. 
You are making time for what matters. That's just how you can know what you actually value. And we can say, oh, I just don't have time for that. Well, if you don't have time for it, it's literally because it's just not as valuable as other things that you were doing. <laughs> so you have to actually make time for what matters. So what matters to Jesus? Here we are, chapter 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. They found him, and they said to him, everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, then let us go on to the next town. I love that, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. You have to make time for what matters. So in this thing, what's the first thing that matters to Jesus? He's like, I will get up early. I will get up while it's still dark. I will get away from all these people who need me because the thing that matters to me most is connecting with my Father. If we're going to be like Jesus, one of the first things we have to understand, what matters most? What mattered most to Jesus was being one with his Father. Do you guys know this? I say this here a lot because it's so fascinating to me. Jesus Christ said, I do nothing on my own, but whatever the Father tells me to do, I do. Can I ask you a question? How much do you do on your own? Everything. Everything. <laughs> And we're like, well, how come I can't live a life like Jesus? Well, because he doesn't do anything on his own. Now, how can he know what the Father wants him to do? Apparently, he's like, it matters to go spend some time with my Father. So I got to get up. I'll go while it's dark. I remember, again, I've shared that story with you. When, when we first moved here and our kids were two and six months, I had to get up when it was dark to go be with Jesus, to be able to connect with him. Our oneness. Now, here's what's cool. Jesus was one with the Father, and so whatever the Father was doing, Jesus was doing, and that's why he was so powerful. And now he's telling us, you can do the exact same thing. So we have to connect with him. And I want to tell you, man, yesterday morning, I just woke up, and I was one of those days where it was just a pissy mood. Can I say that in church? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Anybody else ever feel like that when you wake up in the morning? <laughs> I, I, I just had mornings like that, and I, and I did. I woke up, and I just thought, this is not going to be a good day. And, and, and so, but I sat down, and I just confessed that. And I told God, I'm like, God, this is how I feel. And it was funny. <laughs> I actually shared, Susie, my actual journey. I don't have time to share it with you guys. I shared my journal with her, and she just started cracking up. Because I was, I'm like, oh, sure, just die, die, die. That's what you want me to do. Just give up what I, it's my Saturday. Die, die, die. And, the, and you know what? And then I finally, God just, I can't get into it, but he just eventually moved me and spoke to me. And I know this, I could have gone into my Saturday all about myself. But I went to him and connected with him, the only one who's never about himself. I want to tell you this, man. If you're going to love your neighbor, if you're like me, and you're actually going to have the power to love your neighbor, you're going to have to connect to the power. And you're going to have to connect to the love. And that's what Jesus did. That's the first thing he did. What's the second thing he did? What matters to Jesus? What did he make time for? It says, and here's what's great. Because what was happening is he was healing all these people. Of all these diseases, he was delivering people from demonic oppression. I mean, he was loving people. So everybody wanted to come see him. And then so his disciples are looking for him. Because where did he go? And they say, everybody's looking for you. And I love this. And Jesus said, everybody's looking for me? All right, let's go. Then I'm out of here. Those are called good boundaries, okay? And what was he saying? 
I got to go so I can preach. I, I, I need to go to the next town that I might preach there also. For that is why I came. See, Jesus knew what mattered most. I love my father, and I'm going to spend time with him. And I'm here to love the world. I'm here to love the world. Every person on this planet matters to God. And Jesus knew why he was here. Now, can I just tell you, I don't know what your specific calling is in life, but I do know what matters and what you and I have to prioritize. What matters to us is this. Galatians 5, 6 says the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. Do you guys want to live? Yes, you're a human. You want to live. Then God is saying then the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. And I want to tell you, love your neighbor as yourself combines those two things right there. Because faith is literally saying, God, I trust you. I'm going to walk with you. Again, that's why our mission statement is to equip you, to invite you, and equip you to follow him. Can I just say this really clearly? If you don't walk with Jesus, if you don't follow his teachings, then all the power and all the joy and all the peace and the life will never be yours. So you have to have faith in him. So do you, if you have faith, then you're going to go, okay, Jesus, what are you telling me to do? I worship you. I'll do what you want me to do. He goes, all right, love your neighbor. Okay, well, then I'll do it. Faith expressing itself in love is the only thing that matters. It's what matters to God, and I'm going to tell you, it's what matters to you. It is what matters to everybody who's in your sphere of influence. And, and here's the biggest thing. I'm just going to tell you this point blank. When you die which you know you're going to do, and you stand before Jesus one day. Come on, think about this with me. We have to think this way. The only thing that's going to matter to you is who's there with you. And you guys, we give so much of our time and so much of our resources. I don't, I don't have time to love my neighbors. But we have time to watch Netflix <laughs> We have time to binge watch stuff. We have time to do so many things. We have time for what actually matters. But I'm going to tell you, when you get to heaven, you're going to go, what was I doing? The only thing that mattered is if I would have trusted God and loved my neighbor. And that's all that he's going to care about. Today, on this day, do you want to live? Yes, you do. Then will you trust Jesus when he says, if you do this, you will live. You have to give time to what matters most. And that's it. All right? And I will tell you, a lot of us say, but I can't afford the time to love my neighbor. And I just want to tell you, I would say, you can't afford not to love your neighbor. It's the only thing that's going to give you life, and it's what matters. All right? So let's jump on. Number two. Then you have to make the most of time. And this is the most intriguing one to me, this point, as we go through this message. So let's go to Mark chapter 1, verse 29. It says, And immediately Jesus left the synagogue, and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. And now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came, and he took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and the fever left her 
and she began to serve them. And then in Mark chapter 1, verse 40, it says, And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, he touched him, and he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Now, this is what's crazy, you guys, because um, when, I, when I read, uh, again, different books, I, 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 I do that. I think I may have already said that. <laughs> but I love to watch Jesus. But here's what's interesting. As soon as I knew I wanted to give this message, <clears throat> I went to Mark chapter 1 because I love to watch him in this chapter. But this is why you keep reading the Bible. I saw something in here that I've never seen before. Did you guys notice a, a word that kept popping up in those two passages? Immediately. Immediately. Again, it's, it's fond of etymology of words. So that word actually means a straight way. So the shortest point between two distances, right? Like every time I'm going anywhere now, right? I pull up my phone, I hit the map, and I go, all right, and it gives me two or three options. And which one do you choose? The straightest way, the quickest way, the quickest way, the shortest thing between two points. Why do you choose that? Because you want to make the most of your time. You want to save time. Now, here's what's interesting. That word immediately in the book of Luke is used three times. In the book of John, it's used three times. In the book of Matthew, which is the longest story of Jesus' account, it's used eight times. Guess how many times Mark, it's the, Mark is the shortest account by far of Jesus' life. Guess how many times he uses the word immediately? 41. Come on now. See, this is when, when you read the Bible, this is when you go, hold on. What are you trying to tell us, Mark? Why is Luke not three times, John three times, Matthew eight times? Why are you saying this 41 times? In the first chapter alone, he uses the word immediately 12 times. He's trying to get a point across, and I believe this is what it is. Jesus is on the move. He's moving. He told us, my father is always at work, and I too am working. Our God, right now on this day, December 2nd, 2018, God is moving. And Jesus, you know what he's doing? He's, Jesus is like, I'm making time right now. Right now I'm making time. <laughs> yes, he's doing it as immediately. He's not waiting a moment. He's making the most of every opportunity. Why? Why is he immediately moving? Because he knows if I seize a moment, just a moment, I can change a lifetime. If you seize the moment, in a moment like this, then you can change a lifetime. And so who's your neighbor? Because here's what's interesting. Do you know what Jesus is doing? What's he doing? This is hilarious. He's simply living his life. What did it say? He entered a house. How many of you have ever entered a house? Anybody ever done that? Guess what? You can be like Jesus. Uh, I showed up to work. Wow. That's it. That's all he did. And then he's just walking down the road, and a man with leprosy comes to him. He actually sees a man with leprosy. Anybody, anybody walk up the streets? You ever see somebody? Oh, yep. God, look at it. You can be just like Jesus. See, now this is super important. So the question is lifted, listen to this, who's my neighbor? Here's your neighbor. It's whoever is wherever you are. 
Your neighbor is whoever is wherever you are. You enter a room and those people are your neighbor. Someone comes up to you and they are your neighbor. And what we see in Jesus is he knew how to make the most of time when he ran in to his neighbor and he knew how to love him. Years ago, I went to this training and this was one of the most fascinating things for me because we all do this. He said, you know what we try to do with our time? He drew a big, I should have put a big thing up here on the stage, but he just drew a big circle, right? And he said, like a pie chart. And we have 24 hours in that pie chart. And then, so what we do is you divide it up, right? And you go, okay, I get like seven hours of sleep, and then I put in eight hours of work, and then I divide this. And we all try to manage our time and say, okay, I only have so much time, and so I'm going to divide it up and prioritize it. And that's actually important to do. But then he said, you're totally missing the point. And then he took that circle, and he made it a cylinder. And he made it three-dimensional. And he said, what actually matters is the depth and the richness of the moment. Come on, man, you can spend seven hours at home with your family and have no depth or richness and you didn't seize the moment. And you can spend five minutes with somebody else, and you get the depth and the richness, and it changes you. He told us, think about the people who impact you the most in life. And immediately, I could, isn't that funny? Immediately. I could think of people, though. And I literally, there's some people in my life, I can have a five-minute conversation with them, and I'm emboldened and encouraged. Do you guys know people like that in your life? Guess what? If you seize the moment, you can change a lifetime. The time is there. None of us anymore, after you look at Jesus, have any excuse to say, I don't have time to love my neighbor. We do have time. Now, let me give you a few examples. The first one I'm going to give you is I'm going to gloat on my daughter Mariah for a little bit, my oldest daughter. So about a year and a half ago, she got a job at Chick-fil-A, right? So what's their phrase? Customer? My pleasure. Yeah, that's it. It's my pleasure, right? So that's what they train them to say all the time. But Mariah started working at Chick-fil-A. She's there a few weeks, and she shows up to work, and there's this little gift. It's wrapped in wrapping paper. It's about this big. And she opens it up, and inside is a letter from the scale. And this is what it said. Dear Mariah, I just want to say thank you. Kindness and a smile can truly change someone's day. You have this gift. Enough that I came back today. Isn't that crazy? This gal came back to Chick-fil-A because my daughter worked there. And then he goes on. She goes on. Enough that I came back today. And then to even recognize me after as many faces as you see in a day, shake my hand and ask my name. You made me feel important and noticed. Thank you. Without detail, I needed to be reminded not only to smile, but that the simple act of kindness is what I need to be giving back as well. I hope this isn't coming off weird. I just wanted to show my appreciation. You have a skill that people can't teach. It comes naturally. Please keep changing lives. 
I mean, that is fat. I, I mean, when she shared this with me, and, and by the way, you know what? In that first month, three other people either told Mariah, two of them went to her manager and told him, we come back to this restaurant because of her. That's, I'm like, Mariah, why don't you give this message, okay? <laughs> I, I, I mean, seriously, when she did that, I'm like, Mariah, can, can I just ask you, how much time do you spend with the gal behind the Chick-fil-A counter? Come on, seriously, hardly at all. And I'm trying to learn from my daughter, what did you do in that moment? She fixed her eyes. She paid attention. She was kind. She smiled. She seized the moment. And in the moment, she changed a life. And you and I can do the exact same thing. Years ago, I went and had lunch with a fellow um, up in, in Park City. One of my mentors set up this lunch for me. He said, man, you just need to meet this guy. So I go up and have lunch with him. We sit down. The waitress comes to the table. And immediately, the first thing he does is engage her. Hey, what's your name? How's your day going? Super glad that you're our, our server today. Can't wait to be with you. I'm, I'm like, where's my water? <laughs> right? And I'm like, uh, okay, this is interesting. I'm telling you, every time she came to the table, he engaged her. He asked her more questions. He actually got to know her, found out where she was from, found out what her dreams were. What do you hope? What do you like about this job? How'd you start working here? What do you want to be? By the end of that time, she comes up, and then he just says, hey, I'll just, I can't remember her name, I'll say Lori. He goes, hey, Lori, it's been such a pleasure to have you serve us today, and you've done such a fabulous job. Thank you. It was really, like, you, you, you matter. Do you know that? You matter. He goes, can I just ask you a quick question? He goes, can I just pray for you? He goes, is there anything that you could give me that I could just pray for you? I would love to lift up your request to God and have him come on your behalf. She starts crying. She pours out a part of her life. And I'm sitting there going, what in the world? In a moment, in a lunch, he changed a person's life. Can I ask you a question? How many of you go out to lunch? I don't have time. I don't have time for my neighbors. Yes, you do. See, we just don't see them. And this rolls back. This is why it's so important that you actually go in the dark early in the morning and connect right here. Because if I don't connect right here, I go into my day, and seriously, ask my wife, I'm the worst. I got to remember the story. I just, I'm seriously, I'm like, where's the server? And where's my water? I mean, it's just, it's just you know, and I'm not, I'm not thinking about this, and I forgot about John and how he changed someone's life in a moment. You got to make the most of your time, and that's what Jesus did. It's why making time with him is so important. And here's the other, just real quick. You can also make time, okay, because you got to make the most of time. You can also make the most of time by just adding into what you're already doing. See, we think it's like, oh, I got to go love my neighbors. I got to go figure out all this other stuff. So here's another example. When we got back from our sabbatical this summer, um, we had a bunch of our friends over for a barbecue. <laughs> And so one of our friends comes over, pulls up in front of our house, and the people who live right across from us, our neighbor, they actually know really well, and they said, hey, we're just having a barbecue over here. Why don't you come over? They seize the moment, right, to invite our neighbor to our party. <laughs> so two hours later, the family, and we know them, you know, but the two, two hours later, they came over, 
And just, they had a great time, amazing conversation. It was so good. And then we're getting ready to leave, and he's standing there. And he looks at me, he goes, man, you guys are doing stuff over here all the time. And I'm just thinking, and what am I doing? I don't have to do an extra thing. I could just go, hey, you guys want to come over? <laughs> See, you could do this. And this is what God is saying. Love your neighbor. Love tomorrow you're going to go to work. You're just going to get an enter. You don't have to go anywhere else. Your neighbors are going to be there tomorrow. When the service is over, you're going to walk up and you're going to run into each other. You don't have to go anywhere else. They're right here. Will you seize the moment? And by the way, I just want to tell you, so let me, here's another, I'm going to give you a perfect application for this. On the 23rd of December, right, we're not meeting here because we're going to do church in the neighborhood. Now, we're doing this for two reasons, okay? Number one, because we're doing a big Christmas Eve service. And yes, invite everyone to that. I'm so excited about this. We are going to give the greatest message in the world on Christmas Eve. So get your invitation, stay and invite them. But the reason we're doing the 23rd like this is because we're doing services the, the, the day after. But here's the more important reason. You all know somebody who will not come to you to church in this building. But they might come to a house for breakfast. You can just go, hey, we're actually doing church in a neighborhood. <laughs> Why don't you come with me and just have breakfast? I just finished it. I just did a 15-minute video message. Try to make it be something that's super applicable for anybody that you know so that they'll just find out that God is really loving and gracious and wants to be in their life. And so I want to tell you, I, I want to seize the moment, okay? Seize the moment and invite your neighbors down the 23rd. So if you haven't signed up yet, when you walk out this building, make sure you sign up to get into a home because there won't be church here. Okay? Don't miss this opportunity. Seize it and show up and invite somebody there. Okay? You can also sign up online if that's easier for you. All right. So there we go. Make the most of your time. Here's the last point. You don't waste time. When you look at Jesus, he doesn't waste any time. So Mark chapter 1 verse 16 says this. Passing alongside by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And there it is. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. And then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue, and he was teaching. Jesus wasted no time. He is on the move. He's making time right now because he doesn't waste it. He moves, and he's immediate. Now, I, I'm not even going to get into this, but go ahead and ask yourself this question. What are you spending time on that doesn't matter? We're all human, and we're all doing it. Be ruthless. Sit down sometime today and just go, look at your calendar and go, and what are you giving your life to that doesn't matter? And I want to tell you, don't waste your time. But I want to point you to a different thing that I think is so important about Jesus. And here it is. Here's the key question. How much time between when you know you should do something and when you actually do it. How much time is there? Because here's what I know. 
God is prompting us all the time. He is speaking to us. He is moving in us. He is putting people on our hearts. And the cool thing about Jesus is, remember this, a moment seized can change a lifetime. But how many moments do you let slip by? How many times do you feel like you're supposed to call somebody, supposed to reach out somebody? You can be even be in the moment and you feel like you're supposed to say something. And how much time goes beyond the time you feel that and when you act or if you ever act? You know what makes Jesus so different than you and me? Is whenever the Father told him to do anything, he did it. Immediately. And that's fascinating because the only time you actually have is now. But you always have that time. And what's crazy is moments are like atoms. Actually, one of the, one of the Greek words for moment is atomos. It's the word we get atom from, right? How many atoms are in this room? You, can, you can't even imagine how many atoms. They're so small and so minute. Then the same thing with moments. How many moments did you have this last week? I don't even know. There's so many of them. And yet, inside every atom is atomic power. Inside every atom, that small little thing, the disproportionate power within an atom. And here's the truth. And this all comes from Erwin McMahon. It's one of my favorite pastors. He says, and atoms are just like moments. When you are in a moment and God moves and you seize it, then spiritual, atomic, nuclear stuff can happen. You know why? Because God is moving. God is working all the time. And the coolest thing is, is he wants to include you. And that's why Jesus said, eternal life is when you know me. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Though the Spirit is asking us to do stuff all the time, we just don't seize the moment. And we're all going, well, how come I don't have a life like Jamie Winship? How come I don't have a life like Jesus? Well, because these guys, when God speaks, they move. And that movement is atomic. It's, it's, and, and there's only one reason why. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's the fact that God is moving. And he's loving every person we run into. And he's just asking us, will you take the step of faith? Will you love your neighbor in this moment? So funny, man. <laughs> like, so last, just yesterday, I was... Um, uh, I was at my daughter's soccer game, and there's this really cool guy that I just see every once in a while at these games, and we just really connect, and I really like him. And for like two years, I've been thinking, I should really see if that guy wants to get together. I think our families would have a good time. And so I show up yesterday, and there he is. And he's, because his daughter's on the opposing team, right? And so I'm like, hey, and we connect, and everything's cool. And then he sits on the other side for the first half, and, but then they switch sides, and he wants to watch his daughter because she's the goalie. So she comes down, and he sits on our side. So I'm sitting by Susie and enjoying the game, and then finally I'm like, oh, I'm going to go sit next to this guy. And so I go over there, and we're having a good time. We're connecting, and then all of a sudden, you know, the game's over. I'm like, all right, that was great. We'll see you. And then inside, I'm hearing, invite him. And I want to tell you, man, I, everything within me was just going to go, hey, it's been great to see you again. You're a great guy. 
but I was prepping for this message. And all I could hear was, are you going to seize the moment? Because all I could hear was, invite him. So I did. So I just bucked up and said, hey, dude, can I just tell you, man, I, I love running into you. I, it's, I really enjoy the soccer games. And I, I love the fact our girls get along. I said, would you, would you guys ever want to just maybe get together for dinner? He's like, that'd be awesome. Wasn't that hard? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I'm telling you, I, have any, I don't have any idea what the future holds. I don't, but I do know this. I felt the prompting from Jesus inside me saying, seize the moment. You guys, the coolest thing is God doesn't need any fabulous, gifted, charismatic person. He needs one person who will listen to him and when the Spirit moves and says, I want you to love this person, you seize the moment. And who your neighbor, again, is whoever is wherever you are. And as we close, can you just imagine for a second the impact that could happen if you would make time? What kind of impact could you have on this world? I'm telling you right now, Jesus is saying, I am the living God, and all I need is one person who will seize the moment when I move you. Mark 1.28, this is what happened right at the beginning. Again, immediately, the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. When the atomic bomb went off, <laughs> Everybody's life was changed. And Jesus, because he said yes to God and seized the moment, immediately the news about him spread everywhere. And Jesus said this crazy thing, you can do more than me. You know why he said that? Because there's freaking hundreds of us in here who have the same spirit who rose Jesus from the dead. And if you and I would seize the moment, you'd change a lifetime. And what would happen if all of us did this? What would happen? I tell you what, man, you'd start seeing God's stuff get done. You and I would actually start seeing the miraculous. Others would experience God. His kingdom would come on earth. News of God would spread around Salt Lake City. People would be blessed, and you would be alive. Your God tells you this. Do this, and you will live. And then one day you'll stand before Jesus in heaven, and he'll say, good job. Way to seize the moment. You made the most of the time that I gave you. Let me show you all that I did. Every time you said yes to me. Every time you loved your neighbor. So here's what we're going to do, man. That's your application, baby. Today, tomorrow, everywhere you go, whoever is where you are is your neighbor. So we're going to sing this one last song. It's worship. What is worship? Worship is when you go, you, God, are more important to me than anything else. I humble myself and I will follow you 
And what we're going to sing here is, and I will do whatever, I will do whatever you ask me to do. So let's worship him. Let's sing the song. Let's make this a declaration. This is how we're going to live. All right? Let's stand together and let's do it.